of the five topics that we've discussed this week, I'm really happy to say that this one, redefining creativity, is one that has already started and has been going strong for a while in selective circles and I think growing wider in opinion. Creativity is power. It is, after all, I think one of the greatest superpowers we as humans have that we can share our thoughts and dreams and experiences through music, art, storytelling. It's amazing. And it's something we need to take a lot more seriously. So let's talk about that on today's episode of Project Shadow. Tell you what you mean. I have something to say. everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and today we're going to be talking about redefining creativity, which in a lot of ways is kind of what this entire podcast is about, whether it's in how we look at the media that we consume or the media that we create. Huh. I didn't really think about it until just now, but yeah, that's kind of what this is all about. So when I say redefining creativity, there are a couple of things that I think that we need to take into mind initially when having this discussion. Creativity is far more than just writing a novel or a short story or a comic book or a song or an album or painting a picture or sculpting something. Creativity is one of the defining things that makes us human. And while I'm not going to say that there aren't other animals out there that have the ability to be creative, we take it to extremes. Our cuisines are extremely creative. Our clothing choices and the those who actually work on making those items of clothing. That's all forms of creativity. And one of the biggest problems that we've had and will continue to have for the foreseeable future is how that creativity has been tied to the capitalistic need to make money. Now, I'm not going to go in on some kind of a screed about how capitalism is a problem because it, well, helps the haves at the expense of the have-nots and all of that, because I'm not going to do that in total today. If you want that episode, let me know. I'll do it. You can do a whole week on it if you want. Now, the problem with subjecting creativity to a capitalist model is that it waters down what can be shown. You see, if the goal of the creative endeavor is to make the most money, then by its very nature, it has to be watered down, diluted to the point where almost any message that it might contain is either so self-evident or so minuscule that it's almost undetectable. And so, while some projects tend to slip through without many people noticing the subtext or what the point of the story actually is, sometimes even the creator's not realizing that, for example, The Matrix is an allegory for discovering that you are transgender and how much that really changes your world and your relationship with it. Until after transition, and then you go back and you look at that movie and you go, wow, we all have an Agent Smith, don't we? Whew. Yeah, that's kind of a thing now, isn't it? 
But that, again, is a topic for another episode, should you want to hear it. Now, what I want us to talk about is how we have to be careful not to sell out. This is probably the most controversial opinion that I have on this show because, well, most writers in writing advice tell you things like follow your dream and try to make money and here's ways to make money. And I generally don't. I talk about how to be true to yourself and honest to yourself and follow your own creative vision. And I really hold to that. You see, we don't know what will be a classic. And that, after all, I think is what many of us secretly, at least in our hearts, want to be responsible for making. Whether you like his work or not, during his lifetime, nobody knew who H.P. Lovecraft was. Today, I don't even think I have to explain who he is or what his writing was, because it's a classic of the horror genre, with a lot of racism and misogyny thrown in, but yeah, it's a classic of the horror genre. Huh. The same thing with The Dark Crystal, a beloved franchise today, and I do mean franchise because they've made some cartoons and comics and they're making a series on Netflix and all that. It was a flop when it came out in theaters. Very few people got it. And those of us who did kept pushing forward and pushing forward until, well, we ended up winning on that account. But Jim Henson, who loved Thra and everything that happened there never knew how much others cared because he died before the fandom truly came into its own. But it was a passion project. It was something that he desired more than anything to make. And that shows through in actually watching it, the various techniques that they had to invent to make that movie happen, the storytelling the imagery, the imagination that went into it. All of it shines through, which is why today we look at it and talk about this classic Jim Henson movie. The same thing's true with Fantasia, by the way. We look at that today and go, Walt Disney was so far ahead of his time, and it's an amazing, amazing film, and we recognize it for its greatness. Again, it was a commercial flop when it came out, and probably a mistake for him to make. Or was it? You see, this is the problem when we mix capitalism in with our creative endeavors, especially those of us who have to make a living by them. We have to decide exactly how much we're willing to risk our current income for our creative vision. Now, it's a lot easier if you're a Walt Disney or a Jim Henson to take those risks because, well, they were Walt Disney and Jim Henson, respectively. And after Labyrinth, after, you know, Dark Crystal didn't do well, he did Labyrinth. And then we get various other Muppet properties after that. He was fine. And he knew he would be fine. It was a risk. It was a terrible risk. But it was one that he was privileged enough to take. And that's the problem that we have in our modern world of creativity. Those of us who have the freedom to write, because I do, I, I sit in the house and I write in my podcast all day, every day. That's what I do. I re either record a show or I'm working on a story. And I have the privilege to do that. Now, I didn't grow up wealthy, but my grandfather 
you know, was able to get quite a bit of land because his father inherited it from his father, who got it as a uh, land grant from the government for fighting in the Civil War. And my grandfather built built houses out there, out here. In fact, I'm living in one of the houses that my grandfather built. Not necessarily out of choice, but it's how I have a roof over my head. I inherited it, more or less. The same thing with the business. We couldn't afford the loan, but thanks to the money that my grandfather had built up, we were able to make the down payment that they required us to come up with for the loan. That's a privilege. And thanks to the fact that our business, our business is doing okay, not great, but okay, I have the privilege to have my husband living his dream, running a restaurant, and for me to be able to live my dream, living primarily off of the funds from that restaurant, and being able to write my stories and do my podcasts. That's a privilege, and I am thankful for it every day. But it hurts me when I think about the people that don't have that privilege. See, the concept of privilege and creativity isn't one that we talk about enough. No, I didn't grow up rich, and when I was a kid, we struggled for most of what we had, and through most of my adulthood, we did as well. In fact, we ended up where we are now because the economic crash that hit California when we were living out there just wiped us out. There were no jobs. And we were heading back east, and we just ended up getting snagged here. It wasn't by choice, but it's what happened. <clears throat> and creativity, when it's bound by privilege, is a problem. You see, my voice gets out into the world, at least as a white person. Now, as a queer, non-binary femme, that is a voice that doesn't get heard that often. But it will be heard more often from other white folk like me than from any person of color because of the privileges that I have inherited because of my whiteness. And this is why we need to start redefining creativity. We need to start seeing it as what it is. It is important. And find ways, like they have in, say, Switzerland, in Sweden, where they actually encourage people to go into the creative arts. They teach people what they need to know. And that's one of the reasons why, when you think about all of the bands or music or artists that you like, if you actually look in the liner notes, even if the artist is American or British, they probably had a Swedish songwriter. Because they made creativity a priority for their culture. And so we're singing Swedish songs today whether we realize it or not. It's not just ABBA. Yeah. They made it a priority. And we need to make it a priority, too. Now, we have grants, and there are a few programs here, there, and yonder, but they are underfunded and really unhelpful. So how do we redefine creativity to make this work? This is the moment where I could and should and probably would if I felt it would help go into an argument about why we need a UBI, a universal basic income. Because, well, the rich are rich enough, and for the rest of us who are just trying to get by, having at least the basics that we need for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know, those basics taken care of, 
you know, if we actually treated the entire country like Alaska does, and charged a royalty on the mineral rights, and then divided it amongst the citizens, so that it wasn't just the big companies that profited off of taking those minerals from our collectively owned land, we could do it. We could do it very easily. They've had a UBI in Alaska for a very long time. It's the disbursement payments that they get from the oil money. And we can talk about that if you want. Let me know. And that would help. That would help a lot of people. It would be a lot easier to start a career as a writer, as a rapper, as an artist, if you knew that you didn't have to worry about money. If you, at least the basics, having food and shelter. Food and shelter are the hardest things to come by in our country, when you really think about it. And yeah, that would be helpful. And thanks to new funding options like Patreon and what have you, it, it helps out a lot, where voices that normally would not or could not be heard have been able to find audiences that are willing to give of their money to ensure that those ideas, those stories, that music carries on into the world. And that's wonderful, and I'm very thankful for systems like that. But Patreon started a movement talking about how it's broken. Everything is broken. Everything we do with creativity is broken. Our copyright system is insane. To the point where I'm racking my brain trying to create the Princess Rescue Squad and constantly running into troubles where I am concerned that a Disney lawyer will come. And so that's that setting, those stories are not coming along as fast as I want them to because of that fear of lawsuit. And when you think about it, it's kind of ridiculous because the stories I'm wanting to tell are based on ancient stories. But, you know, Disney did a version of them and they own that version. So I have to be very careful not to tread too closely to their version or my story will come, come get, or they'll come get me. So yeah, here I am, desperately trying to go forward in all of these things and telling you that we need to redefine creativity. And yes, that involves Patreon. And that's, yes, that will eventually involve a UBI because the world is changing and that's something that we're going to have to think about with automation and the rest. But beyond that, we have to learn to be honest with our voices. There are a lot of people out there that just want to make money, and that's fine. I understand that. Living in a capitalist society, there is a big drive to just make money. But if you neglect your voice to make that money, then you're just spinning your wheels. You see, I could make a lot more money if I just paid attention to the trends and wrote to the market and put out the cookie-cutter stories that do make money. That is something that I could do, and it's something that I have been tempted to do on numerous occasions and that I want to. But I'm hoping that I can find enough people that actually care about the same kinds of things that I do and have the same quirky interests that I do to make my stories and my worlds work. These are the things that go into creativity that are beyond the how do I write, how do I paint, how do I cook, how do I sculpt that we don't talk about. We have to eliminate privilege from the measure here. 
Did you know if you put a person of color on the cover of your book, that book is less likely to sell? Did you know if you put a woman's name on a science fiction or fantasy novel, that book's less likely to sell? Well, if you did, that's problematic because that's never really been borne out. It hasn't. There's some sparse sampling here, there, and yonder. It's just, it's an old wives' tale of the industry that's been ingrained in the industry. And so Joanna Rowling becomes J.K. Rowling because that sells. Nora Jemison becomes M.K. Jemison because, you know, God forbid you realize your science fiction and fantasy is being written by a woman, much less a female person of color. These are the lies that we tell ourselves that make up the backbone of what is the modern creative industry. And we hide who we are. I was advised, and I'm still advised, to make my stories less queer. Just write about straight people. You'll make more money. Well, that's probably true. But then I wouldn't be telling my stories. And there would be fewer stories about queer people out there in the world, and Lord knows there's not enough of them as it is. So all of these prerequisites, all of these things that come into play before we put pen to paper, or brush to canvas, or hand to clay, before we sing the first line of the song, have predetermined whether or not we are worthy of success in this country and in this field. And that's wrong. We need to listen to people of color. We need to listen to women. We need to listen to queer voices. I'm not saying that we need to shut up white, cis, heterosexual male voices at all. But they're out there, and they're currently everywhere. Think about how much our lives are enriched by seeing stories that are different and fresh and new. Why are so many people attracted to anime that it's taken over to the point where there really isn't a counterpart to it in American animation that doesn't try to be anime? It's because, well, when we tried to do adult animation over here, or more serious animation over here, we hired the same cisgendered, heterosexual white men to write those stories. And at least we don't share common cultural heritage with the people in Japan. So it looks fresh and original and different and new to us. I'm not saying that it doesn't have the problem of just listening to men or cisgender people or heterosexuals. But it's different, and we rave, and we are attracted to it, because we want something familiar but different. That's the secret to all creativity, is that what people really truly want, if you want to know the secret to success, make something that is familiar, so familiar you feel like you've read it before, but different enough to keep people's attention. That's all we really want in this world, the same but different. Well, maybe if we found more ways to take privilege out of the equation when it comes to creativity, 
we would have more of that difference and far more creative works to explore. And thank goodness it's starting to happen. But that doesn't mean there's not more work to do. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, and you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, down in the show notes you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean, I would love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram, I'm C.E. Dorset on both, and you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. While you're in those show notes, if you've got a buck you can pass my way, you'll find a link to both the listener support and my Patreon. Listener support is specifically for this podcast, and they are going to be waiving their, fee- their fees until September. So I will get the lion's share of that money. Patreon is everything else, and it gives you some perks. So definitely check that out as well. If you have any questions, comments, let me know. Things that you'd like to see in those perks, never quite sure if I've got them just right. Thank you to everybody who does that. Really does help out more than you know. But if you don't have any money right now, or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. Just share... (laughs) <laughs> that that's it. Share. Save me money and having to run ads. Because if people don't know I'm here, they'll never know that I'm here. <laughs> and that's a topic for another episode that I'm probably not going to do. Thank you to everybody who has shared the podcast. Y'all mean the world to me. Alrighty, I think that's it. I hope you enjoyed our redefinition week. These were just some topics that got brought up, and I wanted to wanted to share my thoughts on them, and I hope you enjoyed. I'd also like to know how you feel about this, like doing themed weeks. I've, I've bandied around this idea for a while, and back when I had a different, well, a second daily podcast, I used to do themed weeks over there, and had some fun with it. So let me know what you think. I might do more of these. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and don't forget to have the fun. Bye.